youth pastor, that you can get better acquainted with Michael Bell. We'll ask Mike to come and bless our hearts with a message from God's Word tonight. All right. All right. Thank you, Pastor Merrill. Thank you very much. Good evening, everybody. It's a Saturday night. You guys, you're here. You're live. We're good to go. All right. We're, we're constantly preparing ourselves here. Worship is beyond just the music. Um, everything that we're gathered here for tonight is, is a part of that as we continue just to prepare ourselves for what God has for us and give him our best. Um, I am thankful for the opportunity to, to share with you here tonight. As Pastor Merrill mentioned, I am the new youth pastor here at Christian Life Church. Uh, I'm just over the 30-day mark, so I'm 30 days in. So far, so good. <laughs> um, um, my wife and I, my wife Christina and I, are, we have been in this area for about four years in the Joliet area, uh, Downers Grove, Naperville, Aurora, and now Mount Prospect. And uh, We're busy. We have a one-year-old, and we have a three-month-old. Yeah, yeah, you're thinking, this guy's an idiot. And my wife has looked at me a few times thinking those same things, but... Um, the family has grown a little faster than we had anticipated, but we have uh, our firstborn is Henry Thomas, uh, HT, as we like to call him, and then recently, back in mid-July, uh, God blessed us with Eli Michael uh, as well. So we stay busy, but we're just excited to be here, to be a part of this family, and uh, I'm thankful to the leadership here for this first opportunity to uh, share uh, with you tonight. So before I would move forward and, and take that next step here. Let me just ask uh, the Lord's blessing on tonight from here on out. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to speak uh, what I believe you've given me to speak um, as we look into the life of uh, one of your uh, great men. As we then place ourselves, hopefully, within this man's life and, and pull out some principles, some concepts, some things that we can grasp and hang on to so that when we leave this house, we can go to our house we can go to our workplace. We can go to wherever our feet may take us and take these concepts and principles and, Lord, uh, be your people, be your men, and be your women in this world, and be your kids. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit now will just prepare our hearts and minds to receive um, what you have for us. May my words be few, and, Lord, may yours, your words be very plentiful here this evening. And so, Lord, may we just give you our undivided attention as we move forward and continue to worship. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What I've titled tonight's message is the following. Joseph, a man who didn't cave in. And to intro and kind of get us started tonight, I want to read a quote from a gentleman that maybe some of you have heard of, maybe you've read of some of his books this, this man has been very influential thus far in my Christian walk. His name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's no longer with us. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed on April the 9th in 1945 by the Nazis. Now, he had distinguished himself as a pastor and theologian, and he was also an active and courageous member of the Resistance. This is a group of pastors and, and clergy who resisted Hitler's Third Reich. Now, on the day of his execution, he was only 39 years old. 
But in the 39 years that he's been with us, he still has an impact on those who are Christ followers. He left, I think, with us what I would describe as the single most descriptive explanation of temptation that you might find anywhere outside the Bible. Listen closely to his quote. In our members, there is a slumbering inclination towards desire, which is both sudden and fierce. With irresistible power, desire seizes mastery over the flesh. All at once, a secret smoldering fire is kindled. The flesh burns and is in flames. It makes no difference whether it is sexual desire or ambition or vanity or desire for revenge or love of fame and power or greed for money or finally that strange desire for the beauty of the world, of nature. Joy in God is, in course, being extinguished in us and we seek all our joy in the creature. At this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality, and only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. Satan does not fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. The lust thus aroused envelops the mind and the will of man in deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from it is here that everything within me rises up against the word of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, with his description of temptation and what it does to us on the inside. Now, we're going to continue our series tonight of the story. Ultimately, this is God's story of the people he's been using throughout history so that his story can be made known. And as we look into the lives of, of different people that God has used to advance his kingdom here on earth, tonight we're going to take a look at a man named Joseph. Now, the quote that I just read, kind of hang on to that, put that in your back pocket. Okay, don't, don't let that go as we move forward. Because that quote is going to serve as a backdrop as we take a look at an episode in tonight's text that took place in this man's life. Now, the story of Joseph, it's like a modern-day soap opera, okay? This is like days of our lives that happened way back when, before soap operas became popular on television. And it's interesting because the, the story of Joseph in Genesis is actually one of the longest narratives, longest stories recorded. Even longer than the story of Adam, uh, the story of Abraham, and many others. And for Joseph, he experienced the highest highs and the lowest lows. He was the favorite in dad's eyes. He was daddy's boy. And his brothers hated that. They hated that about him. They were so jealous of him. Matter of fact, one day when they saw him, coming towards them, he was put into a well. And his brothers decided, we'll just leave him in there. We'll leave him for dead. We won't kill him. That'd be too intense. But we'll throw him in a well. And we'll take off. We'll see what happens. 
And then Joseph is sold as a slave. Eventually, this tribe would then sell Joseph to a gentleman by the name of Potiphar. Now, Potiphar is no ordinary man, but he was actually one of Pharaoh's top officials. He was, he was the captain of the guard. And this was a man who had the power to either grant life or else take it. Now, can you imagine if you had television cameras back then? You want to talk about your reality television show. If cameras could be rolling when all this is taking place in the life of Joseph, this would be reality TV at its best. Turn to Genesis chapter 39. That's where we're going to camp out tonight for just a few more minutes. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 10. See, if you have a Bible, this is a great time to flip to Genesis chapter 39. Or if you have on your phone some version of the Bible, preferably Genesis would be good. The Bible, Old and New Testament, all right? Share with somebody that's with you. Uh, I believe we'll have, uh, we'll have these verses up on the screen as well. But Genesis 39, 1 through 10. And this will kind of be our foundation that we're going to build on and work through here tonight as we take a look at, a, at an episode in the life of this man, Joseph, okay? Everybody ready? All set? All right, Genesis 39, 1 through 10 uh, from the New International Version. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household... And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome, And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Wow. Intense. Intense moment in the life of this man. Now, three things I think we can take from this section of the text that I see in Joseph that are true of him. And then, more importantly then, we want to take these principles, these pillars, apply them to ourselves so that we have something to hang on to 
when you walk out those doors and you encounter that world tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes, great time to get started. Number one. And by the way, before I give you this first point, in that first verse in chapter 39, you know, we have no sense of the time frame between verses 1 and 2. We don't know how long it took for Joseph to learn the culture he was now in, to learn the language, to learn how things work, to get to know people. Because if you notice, if you go back to verse 38, we kind of have this story, this narrative between Judah and Tamar. You have to go to Genesis 37, verse 6, to see an episode where Joseph is then sold to Potiphar. Then you jump over chapter 38, into verse 39, or into chapter 39, that first verse. We don't quite know the time frame on this, but here's what we know. Things have changed. Joseph has had an address change. Big time. From where he used to be. Number one, verses two and three in this chapter. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. First principle tonight. Obedience to God gives you influence. Okay? We see this in the life of Joseph. It jumps off the page. Obedience to God gives you influence. Got a definition of influence here. Ready for it? You ready for it? All right, try this one out. The capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on a, or produce effects on the actions, behavior, or opinions of others. Again, Definition of influence, the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behavior, or opinions of others. You've got to keep this in mind in this, in this story, that Joseph at the age of 17, anybody in here around 17 years of age, put your hand up. Okay, so we have maybe a couple. So think about this. At the age of 17, he's left for dead by his own brothers, and then he's sold as a slave. But God had plans for this young man. In God's providence, he would be sold to Potiphar. Major change of address. From 600, bottom of the well, to Potiphar in a palace. Now, the providence of God made it possible for the young man to be with one of the most powerful men in Egypt. So, look behind the curtain here. We see what God's doing with him. Puts him in a new place. Puts him in a place of influence. And again, Potiphar was a man who could either save your life or take it. It was his call. And notice verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. And in verse 3, when his master saw, with his eyes, saw that the Lord was with him, Joseph, and that the Lord gave him, Joseph, success in everything he, Joseph, did. Potiphar saw something about this young man. And it impacted him. 
He couldn't resist it. Questions for us tonight. In what circumstance or situation is God trying to use you in right now to influence others? Where are you at? Is your life being used by God to affect the actions, behavior, or the opinions of others? Have you checked your influence temperature recently for the Lord? Where's that at? Where's that temperature gauge at today? Where will it be tomorrow? Are you, am I, taking credit for the good things that are going on right now, or do others see us giving God that credit? Some questions to think about for us in terms of influence. Joseph was being used by the Lord to affect Potiphar. Potiphar saw it. What about us? When people watch us, is our influence for the Lord or not? I asked the youth on Wednesday night, are people confused when they see you guys in terms of your influence? They come to Wednesday night youth and they say they love Jesus, but like in school, it's a whole other deal, so I'm really confused. I asked the youth that question, and I ask us all that tonight. Our influence, where is that? Second, second principle, uh, verses 4 to 6. Let's, let's jump back on those here and run through those. Joseph found favor in his eyes. I, I love the, you know, here's a story from thousands of years ago. And so much hinges on what someone saw from someone else, how they lived, how they behaved. Joseph found favor in his eyes, Potiphar, and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so again, it just keeps repeating what we should know by now. Hello, he left everything in Joseph's care. Everything he had. He didn't concern himself with anything except what Joseph had for breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's about it. Second, second observation in terms of obedience that we see in Joseph's life. Obedience to God brings responsibility. Obedience to God brings responsibility. First one was influence. Second, we want to focus on responsibility. Potiphar put him in charge, Joseph, everything, everything he owned. Parents, so tonight when you go home, try this on for size. Boys, you know what? Everything in the house, it's all yours. We're going to be gone for about a week. Good luck. Are you good with that? <laughs> Many heads going, oh, no way. No way, no way. Responsibility. It's big. It's big. The power and authority that is now available to Joseph, think about this, it's just incredible. 
Remember, at 17 years of age, he is a slave. At 17. And look what God's starting to do for this man. And he's young. He's a young man at this point. I think it's interesting that it says in the second part of uh, verse 5, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both, okay, in the house and in the field. So now it's like not only are the things within his home blessed because of Joseph and being, Joseph being a responsible man, even things outside of the home are getting blessed. Even the ground that Potiphar owned is a blessing to him because of Joseph. Responsibility. Question for us would be this, a couple of questions. What is God wanting to make you responsible for in your life right now? What, what would that thing be? And flip side of that would be, what is God not allowing you to be responsible for because right now, frankly, you're not ready. If he puts it in your hands, it's going to be a train wreck. And yet you're like, well, God, you, come on, come on, I'm ready for this, I'm ready for this. Give this to me. I've been waiting a long time. And God says, no, wait. You're not ready. When I work with our youth, you know, they want to be leaders. And I say to them, do you really want to be a leader? Really, do you want to be a leader? Because that means you're going to be given some responsibilities. You're going to be in charge of something. And you need to be a really good caretaker of that. It's going to be really important. Maybe there's some little things that God is giving you responsibility over now. Okay? Track with me. And then eventually... By being responsible for those little things, you're going to get a little bit more and a little bit more. It's going to be a process, maybe. I don't know, because I'm not God. All right? Responsibility. Do you want it in terms of the things of God? Then how are you doing so far with the little things? Perhaps God will then use you for great things in the same way that he did in the life of Joseph. Potiphar knew he could leave something there, walk away, and Joseph would take care of it. And again, here is God working behind the scenes through Joseph to impact the captain of the guard in this way. Now... (laughs) To this point, Joseph is a man of great influence and responsibility, but now game-changer, potentially, is about to be thrown to him. He's about to get put to the test. The last part of verse 6. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. If you're like me and you're reading through that, if any of you ever saw the movie Jaws, and there was that music that they would play, and you knew when that when that music started to kick in, 
You knew something was about to go down with that big fish, that big shark, right? And so as I'm reading through this, I, I start to hear that music. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. It's like, all right, Joseph, something's about to come your way. Now, the Bible does not say, and it's a sin to be well-built and handsome. Okay? <laughs> My version doesn't say that. It just points that fact out about Joseph. And because of that, here comes the game changer. And here comes our third point that you could put down. First off, obedience brings influence. Secondly, it brings responsibility. Third, it's going to bring testing. There will be a test. As a matter of fact, there's going to be many tests. I can remember being here at Christian Life College, and a lot of the time students would ask, is there going to be a test on this? This is the biggest fear. Will there be a test? Right here, we've got a doozy in front of Joseph. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph, and she said, come to bed with me. This is a woman who was not beating around the bush. You talk about your direct statement here, desire that she has of this young man. Major turning point. Now, pause. Think about everything that we've just seen regarding Joseph. Think about where he's come from. Think about what God has done in his life. Think of the influence he has. Think about the responsibility God has given him. And now, that is all in jeopardy of just being destroyed. If you're like me and you watch the news every so often, here's what I never see on the news within the first six minutes. Local pastor, faithfully serving his congregation for 30 years, honored. Been preaching the gospel all these years. Thousands have come to Christ. Tonight, that's our top story. I don't hear that. You know what I hear on the news? Major scandal. Pastor confesses to serious allegations. Let's go live. Let's get the details. Let's hear about another pastor, another servant of Christ who fails the test. I see that on the news. I saw that on WGN News about a month ago, unfortunately. That's what makes the headlines. Joseph is in a situation, he could be in the headlines for the wrong reasons at this point. But, let's see how he responds. Okay? Verse 8. Joseph responds. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Moving forward in verse 9. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin 
against God. Joseph does two things in his response. Number one, he is so loyal to his master. He refuses. I'm in charge. I've been put into this. I can't do this to my earthly master. And secondly, Joseph asks the greatest question you could ever ask when the test is in front of you, ladies and also gentlemen, is this. This question. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? How could I do this? How could you have the the gall to ask me to do this? For Joseph, compromise, that doesn't exist in his vocabulary. He doesn't know what that word means. It's not an option. He's not, well, let me think about this. Pros and cons. Hmm. No. And the thing is, in verse 10, he had to deal with this day after day. Did you catch that in verse 10? She spoke to Joseph day after day, and he continued to refuse what she was asking of him. And we don't know what day after day, I don't know the the length of those days. One day alone would be enough. But apparently this went on repeatedly, repeatedly. And Joseph had this mindset. He knew that the cost of obedience was so high because he also understood the cost of caving in was also tremendous for him. I came across a great concept today in preparation for this message in terms of testing and in terms of temptation. And it's this saying, and this is such good stuff, And the author in this book is trying to help us understand better temptation. Because if you're a living, breathing human being tonight, and you have a pulse, you're going to deal with temptation, just as Joseph did. Think about this concept. There is no sin in the bait. The sin is in the bite. I wish I would have thought of that. That's from another pastor. <laughs> but that is good. It's, it's something to really think about in terms of the testing that comes your way, the temptation that is in front of us. There is no sin in the bait. The sin is in the bite. If you're dealing with temptation, that's the bait. The question is, are you going to take a bite? That's the critical component of this. Because if you live in the real world, you cannot escape the bait. Joseph couldn't. He had to deal with this day after day after day. And he had a lot of influence. He had a lot of responsibility. He was a In her eyes, and the people around him, he had a lot of power. A young man with a lot of power. 
Here's a quote from a gentleman by the name of Clarence Edward McCartney concerning this episode in the life of Joseph. This was no ordinary temptation. Joseph was not a stone, a mummy, but a red-blooded young man in his late 20s. It was not one temptation on one day, but a repeated temptation. An old story tells how when Joseph began to talk about God to the temptress, she flung her skirts over the bust of the God that stood in the chamber and said, Now, God will not see. But Joseph answered, My God sees. Joseph realized that his life was an open book before his God. And Joseph knew that his God sees. Everyone here tonight needs to remember the same thing Joseph remembered in this moment. And actually, it was more than one moment. It was a repeated situation that our God sees. Think about our choices when you really believe that, that your God sees, he is aware of what you're about to choose when that test comes. When you've got this route or you've got this route. To close, just a few more questions. Do we have the awareness, the same self-awareness that our God sees when that test is on? when that temptation is in front of us. What is it right now that is testing your obedience to the Lord? What is it? What is it? Write it down if you have to. Or just write it down in your memory right now. And then what are you at risk of destroying and jeopardizing if you cave? If you give in, if you take the bite, what bait is the devil hanging in front of you, waiting for you to bite? This chapter in the life of Joseph, it's such a powerful one. And let's place ourselves into his story, into this moment in his life. And let's go back and look at those three areas. Influence. Where is God calling you, calling me to continue to be an influence to others? Responsibility. What does God put in your care because you've stayed obedient? And praise God for that. And maybe he's going to add some more things. Be patient. Let him give you what he knows you're ready for, to be responsible for. And testing. When the first two are in place, you've got influence for the Lord, and God's using you, and and, and then you've got responsibility he's given you. Know this. That's going to get tested. You're going to have to take a test, and probably another. My challenge and my closing thought would be this to all of us. Be a Joseph. Let God influence others through you. Be a Joseph and thank God for the responsibility 
that he's given you. And be a Joseph and pass the test, brothers and sisters, because our God sees. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Joseph. And we thank you for all that has been written down and recorded for us to now thousands of years later to read and to study and to then see how he had influence, to see how he had great responsibility and to see that he was tested day after day. And to see him, Lord, ask the most important question because he knew, Lord, that you see. Father, thank you for his example for us. Thank you for his story. Help us to place ourselves into his life to take those same principles and by your Holy Spirit to leave this place ready to be a Joseph. Help us, Father, to be a Joseph, to have influence, to be responsible, and to pass the test. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Pastor Mel. wrote those down. That's good. Obedience will give us influence. Obedience helps you to be responsible. And even in the testing, we have to follow in obedience. What a message. Let's stand, shall we? We have the blessing of the Lord, but uh, I think the lesson we can learn from going through the story this far is uh, Joseph stood for no compromise. Tell you, if there's anything we need in the church, in Christian lives today, it's no compromise. I believe they're standing for principles. And let's pray that God will do it. Well, I shouldn't say that. Mike just prayed. Didn't you appreciate him uh, sharing the words? We haven't had a chance to hear him, so it's good to have him share. But let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the word tonight, and I pray it'll really speak to us. Help us in our responsibility, O oh God. Help us in our obedience. Help us have no compromise. May we be different from all the temptation and the sin around about us. May we live pure and holy lives in the face of opposition. Thank you, Lord, that we can obey you no matter what. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight. Good crowd. Such a busy day here. It's good to see folks here tonight. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Everybody said amen. Amen. Greet one another and God bless you. If you need prayer, I'll be down in front afterwards. And uh, God bless you. Have a great uh, weekend today. And be ready for next Sunday. Sign up to.